Okay. Well, um, Stephen, I will introduce you, and you can introduce your wife. Or how, I'll let you handle that however you want to, but uh, Stephen is the head of the uh, Chi Alpha Ministry here in Anchorage. And uh, thank you for just being such a blessing. I'm looking forward to all of this. You can use the mic stand if you want to and get yourself situated up here. Lord bless you. I'll turn it over to you. Well, thank you guys so much for having me here this Sunday. Thank you, Pastor Mike, for uh, inviting me to come and share with you guys about what's happening on campus and uh, what's happening in Chi Alpha. My wife is here. Her name's Erin, if you would like to stand up real quick. I tell everybody she's the brains and the beauty behind the operation on campus, so uh, if you have questions about what's going on, she's probably going to be a better person to answer uh, all of those questions. But yeah, we do Chi Alpha, and I was here about a year ago uh, talking a a little bit about our ministry and what it is. Chi Alpha is a uh, a nationwide campus ministry on 300 campuses nationwide, and we uh, had the opportunity to... um, help plant one of two Chi Alphas in this state two years ago. And so Chi Alpha's been uh, here at UAA now for uh, just a little bit over two years. And Chi Alpha uh, is on campuses. We, we minister to college students and we feel that, uh, that the college campus is a very strategic place to do ministry. Uh, we have tomorrow's future leaders right uh, on a campus today when they are walking through a season of life when they are moldable, they're formable, and they have a lot of uh, uh, flexibility in their schedule. And those things act as an incredible set of ingredients for discipleship. See, when a student is available, they, they have a... And, you know, college students will tell you that they're the most busy person in the entire world. Uh, but all of you know that, well, try being married with, like, four kids and going to soccer practice, all that stuff, uh, and, and running a career. See, college students are busy, but their schedules are flexible. Never again will you just be able to be like, yeah, I can go grab a cup of coffee at 11 o'clock on, the, on campus, right? Never again do you have the ability to do that. And so, uh, and they are in a season of life where they are searching for answers, searching for meaning, and they're making decisions about what they're going to do with their life, what their career is going to be, where they're going to live, who they're going to marry, what type of person they're going to be. And to have Jesus be the center of all those decisions can set them on a path and a trajectory that can turn them into a person who can change the change the world for Jesus Christ. We get to reach students while they're on the chair of a dorm room desk before they ever reach the chair of their, the office of a CEO. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so, uh, because of the flexibility of their schedule, we really focus on discipleship. And so, uh, one of the ways that we do that is through something we call small groups. And so, that's what we started when we came to campus. When we came to town, my wife and I were living in North Dakota. uh, And I was working as a teacher and doing ministry part-time on the campus of North Dakota State. We got married in 2013, and eight months later, the car was packed and we were headed for Alaska. And... uh, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Uh, but uh, Aaron loves it, and if I ever try to leave this state, I think she'll like 
you know, I don't know. She'll probably just be like, yeah, Steve, you can leave. I'm staying. So, uh, no, nah, she wouldn't say that. But uh, we started a small group Bible study in our home. And before we knew it, we had outgrown our living room. And so we moved to a local church near campus. And before we knew it, we started to outgrow that local church. And so we moved on campus. And on January 22nd, we had the first, what I, what I understand to be one of the first regularly scheduled worship services led by students ever to take place on the campus campus of UAA, which was pretty cool. And on January 29th, we had our first student accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior in Chi Alpha that first year. It was awesome. Yeah, you can give God a round of applause for that. And today, over 150 people worship together every single week on Thursday nights at 8 o'clock in the Student Union. Uh, we've had as many as 175 students show up to Chi Alpha this year. We, we just had, uh, last month we had our fall retreat, and 133 students headed out to Little Beaver for our fall retreat. We met up with the Fairbanks Chi Alpha, and uh, they brought like 100 and some students as well. We had 245 people out at Little Beaver, they only have beds for like 210, all right? So we had people, uh, Jarrett Tucker is here, he's one of our students in Smuggle Beavers, he was sleeping in a hammock in October uh, between two trees because there was no beds left. And so, thank you, Jarrett, we appreciate that, man. Uh, so it was a ton of fun, but the thing that we're most excited about is our small groups. Jarrett actually leads a, a small group for us in Chi Alpha. Small groups are an opportunity for students to disciple students. Because they're going to listen a lot more to a student than they are going to listen to old stodgy Steve, right? And so, uh, so st- students, uh, last year, Jarrett went through our leadership training class. It was an eight-week-long course where we equipped our students to know how to disciple people. We have 18 small groups that meet on a weekly basis now. And over 125 students are plugged in to small groups every single week in Chi Alpha. So we're really excited about that. That's where a true discipleship happens. We're going to be talking a little bit about that uh, in today's message, so we'll, uh, we'll wait with a few of those things. But one of the things that we're also really excited about in Chi Alpha is our ability to minister to Native students. This young lady's name is Kirsten. Kirsten was on campus last year looking for her classes. She was very lost. She came from the village of Mountain Village, Alaska, way out on kind of near the Yukon River Delta of Alaska. Uh, I mean, coming from a village of like 300 people to a campus of 17,000 can be a very overwhelming thing. And uh, this young lady to the left, is named, her name's Emily. She leads a small group for us. Emily decided, hey, you looking lost? I'm going to invite you to... Uh, how, about, how about I show you around and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, walk you to some of your classes. Well, they became incredibly good friends. And six months later... Kirsten ended up accepting Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior as a result of that friendship. And one of the cool things that we are believing God is going to do through Chi Alpha is we believe that Chi Alpha is going to be used as a strategic training ground to reach every corner of Alaska. See, imagine when Kirsten goes back to her village, Mountain Village, Alaska, as an educated leader who loves God and is going to raise a family that loves God, we have essentially sent back an indigenous, self-supported missionary back to the place where she came from, where she's going to have an incredible amount of influence for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. 
If we do this dozens of times over the course of the next several decades, we will have sent out dozens of indigenous missionaries back to the villages. And the beautiful thing is that we have them travel to us. And the brightest and best, the future leaders of tomorrow in the villages are coming to us every single year. And so we're excited about how Chi Alpha can be a strategic place where the entire state of Alaska can be reached. And so if you would like to partner with us in prayer, we want to give you guys the opportunity to do that today. And uh, as Pastor Mike said, you'll have an opportunity to partner with us financially, but we have prayer cards in the back of the table. We'd love for you guys to grab one of those. And if you would like more information about what Chi Alpha is, we have these fancy little flyers. And if you would like to sign up for our, our monthly newsletter uh, via email or mail, uh, we invite you to fill out one of these cards so we can grab your information and, uh, and we can keep you updated about how you can be praying for us and, uh, and about what's going on on campus and everything else. So with that, we're going to dive into the Word of God this morning, and I'm going to share a few more stories as we go throughout the, the message, but let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, I just pray that you would bless your Word, that you would make it alive and active, and, uh, and it would pierce our hearts this morning. Would you speak to us, and would we walk away from this place different than when we came? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, I used to be a science teacher before I went into full-time ministry. I taught physics. And so we're going to do a physics lesson this morning. Is that okay? All right. Uh, I have my clicker here. We're going to use this as, uh, as exhibit A. When I throw this, this clicker in the air, what's going to happen to it? It's going to come down, right? Obviously, what goes up must come down. We learned that when we were very, very young. But in physics, there's something that we call, when an object goes through the air, we call that projectile motion. This becomes a projectile. And you have movement in the Y direction, all right? And see, when this object goes into the air, it goes in a positive Y direction, and then it stops for a figurative split second. And then it starts coming back down, right? And the speed decreases until it goes to zero, and then it becomes a negative velocity as it comes back towards me, all right? So what's interesting about that is that when I throw this object in the air, what happens is that it never actually, it can't just freeze there, right? It is either moving up or it's moving down. There's no other option. It's not going to just float and stay suspended in midair. And the reason I share that with you is because I think our spiritual walks are very similar to projectile motion. We are either moving forward in our relationship with Christ or we're moving backwards. There's no middle ground. And a lot of times the devil convinces us, right? If he can't get us distracted, he'll just like stop us from staying focused on, on God's kingdom for long enough to be like, you know what? I'm really busy right now. You know what? I'm just kind of walking through a funk in life. I'm kind of walking through something right now. I'm just going to take a break from advancing my relationship with Jesus forward. I'll get back to that later and I'm going to, I'm going to get that at later. But eventually, essentially what happens in reality, what is happening in our minds, we think that we're just like, all right, I'm going to put this on the shelf for a while. But spiritually, what is actually happening, we've been deceived, and I believe that we're moving backwards. There's only, there's only two options in our spiritual walk with Jesus. We're either moving forward or we're moving backwards. And we have to make a decision every single day of our lives whether we are going to be on the spiritual offense moving forward or we're going to be retreating and just be playing spiritual defense. And I believe God wants us to play spiritual offense. 
I don't know uh, how many people played like uh, playground football when you were growing up, you know, uh, or even basketball, right? When you played playground football, did anybody be like, hey, I got all-time O-line, that's my, that's my, I got all-time defense. No, no one ever said that. You were always like fighting over who was going to get to be all-time QB, right? You're always mad if someone didn't pass you the ball. We have this like natural inclination to want to play offense driven into us since we were a little kid. And I think the reason that that's there is because God calls us to advance His kingdom, to go forth and make disciples, to advance our, advance in our relationship with Him. He has designed us to play spiritual offense and not just defense. So how do we do that? How do we get on the spiritual offense for Jesus Christ? Well, we're going to take a look at Ephesians 6 this morning. And uh, Ephesians 6 talks about the armor of God. And you probably remember this from Sunday school or from VBS or something like that. But, uh, but we're going to look at this hopefully in a little bit different light this morning. Than what, uh, than what you might be used to. So it says this, starting in verse 10. Finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness. Everyone say readiness. Readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Okay, so why does God give us all of this stuff? Well, I believe He gives us this stuff not so that we can just play defense against the devil and against the world. He gives us this stuff so that we can play offense for God's kingdom. We can push and move God's kingdom forward. And I think so many times as Christians, we, we look at this verse and we're like, yeah, the devil won't be able to get me. But in reality, what this is meaning is that we're supposed to be going into battle. Not just, devil, you're not going to be able to get me. No, no, devil, you're going to get conquered. Because I'm going to go forth with power and with the gospel. <laughs> And with the message of Jesus Christ. So how can we do that? Well, I have four things I want to share with you this morning. The first one is this. Is that in order to be spiritually offensive minded, we need to decide to quit running away. I'm really bad at this clicker thing. Sorry about that. Alright. To quit running away. Notice God did not give you a bomb shelter of righteousness. He did not give you a bunker of truth. Right? He did not mean for us to be like, come to church, I accept Jesus, now I get to go into hiding. See you later, right? No. Like, he did not say hide from the world. He said you are going to be in this world but not of this world. But he did not say that hide from the world. He said to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, right? He said you're going to need to interact with people. Quit running away. And so many times we do this, right? We, we as Christians, we get, uh, 
And, and community is powerful and it is beautiful and it is effective. And when we operate in the community of believers, we spur each other on towards loving good deeds. But I believe that we are called to be a community, not that, not that shelters one another and puts their arms around one another and looks inward. We are called to be a community that puts their arms around one another and looks outward into the world, looking to grab people who do not know about Jesus and bring them into our community constantly. Amen. And sometimes that requires us to get out of our comfort zones, go to places that we wouldn't normally go, go have conversations with people that we would not normally talk to. But we are called to not run from the battles, but to quit running away and say, you know what, I'm going to face this. To claim victory over your situation. Maybe there, there's really two battles we run from. We might be running from sharing our faith, and then we might be running from an internal battle that's going on in our lives. And I believe that God wants us, Jesus wants us to turn around and claim victory over our situation. We tell our college students this all the time. We say, hey, uh, well, so backing up, when I went to school, uh, I remember graduating from high school and someone gave me a book. And that book was, uh, I can't even remember what it was called, but I looked at the back cover and uh, to, to look at the description. I remember reading the back cover, and the back cover said, uh, college can be a very challenging time for your faith. Read this book. Uh, when, while reading this book, you will find out ways to make sure to safeguard your relationship with Jesus so that you can survive college with your faith in Jesus Christ. I was like, wow, what am I in for? This is, this is frightening. And I got to school and I got involved in this thing called Chi Alpha. And all of a sudden, what was just happening inside of me started to happen outside of me. I started to see the gospel move on other people's lives who didn't know Jesus from a hole in the ground. And all of a sudden, my faith went from just surviving to thriving. And so we tell our students this all the time that, hey, we don't want you to just survive college. We're not here to just grab all the Christian kids and get them huddled up just so that we protect them. We're here to make you thrive. And the only way you do that is by playing spiritual offense. So I'm going to explain that here in just a little bit. The second thing we must do in order to play spiritual offense is fight both fronts. And I hinted at this just a little bit. And some of you might be like, Steve, I'm, uh, I'm really good at playing risk. And this is a bad idea, right? Uh, you don't, you won't, don't want to fight a two-fronted battle. That's, that's going to that's gonna cost you. But here's what I mean by this. As I believe that in our spiritual battles in life, we have two battlefronts. The internal battlefront and the external battlefront. See, the internal battlefront is what God wants to do inside of us. Healing and growth and a deepening of our relationship with Him. But see, that's not enough. We need a balanced diet when it comes to our spiritual battles. We tell our students this all the time. What God has done in you, He wants to do through you. Right? You can't beat someone to death with a breastplate of truth. Right? Or a breastplate of righteousness or a belt of truth. Right? So those things are things that God develops to safeguard you against your things in your life, but we need to be fight fat we need to be fighting both fronts. The external battlefront is what God wants to do through us. We have a young man by the name of Sawyer. Here's a picture of him. He uh 
Sawyer was uh, a year and two months ago. Sawyer did not know the Lord at all. He was raised in a home that talked about God once in a while. Uh, his story um, is uh, he, he came from a broken home, uh, was living with his dad. His dad was a slope worker. And, and, uh, and when he was a teenager... He literally, he told me a story once and it baffled me. He said, Steve, there was one time when I was gone. I did not come home for 14 days. I was 15 years old and I did not come home for 14 days. And when I walked in the door, no one even said anything. They didn't realize I was even gone. Needless to say, as a teenager, with that type of freedom, you get kind of into things that you probably shouldn't, right? Sawyer, when, he, when we met Sawyer, he was involved in an incredibly impure relationship. He was involved in, in, in drugs. And one night, Sawyer came to Chi Alpha, and he describes it as an experience, uh, experiencing a love that he had never felt anywhere before. And he knew that he needed to come back. And shortly thereafter, Sawyer made Jesus the Lord and Savior of his life. And God started to heal Sawyer. And he started to, to, to become so real to Sawyer. And for the first time in his entire life, Sawyer had a dad. And his dad was God. And he revolutionized his life so much so that he could not not tell all of his friends about God. And it was four months later that Sawyer led his first person to Jesus Christ in the student union. This year, Sawyer is leading a small group Bible study for us and is discipling young men. And this year, they had a young man come to small group week one who, was an athe- who claimed to be an atheist. He said, I don't believe what you guys believe, but I really like hanging out with you, so I think I'm just going to keep coming back. <laughs> And so they continued to love on this young man and love on this young man and invite him to do everything with them. Man, these guys go, these guys go shoot stuff together. They go hike stuff together. They, they, they hang out together. They do everything together. And this young man was part of it all. And two weeks ago, I mean, literally, it was, it was uh, nine days ago on a Friday night, I got a call from Sawyer at 2.30 a.m. Absolutely ecstatic because that night he led that young man to Jesus Christ. And we had been praying for him for the previous three months. You see, what God has done in you, he wants to do through you. Some of us are only fighting internal battles. We love listening to podcasts and having good theological discussions and hearing good teaching, but eventually that stuff is going to come up dry. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But unless we apply it to the battlefield, unless we apply it to the commission, we're actually kind of being selfish about it. Some of us only fight external battles. And we can be in that boat as well. And we get so worried about what's going on and the busyness of life. We think, man, I just need to do one more thing, one more thing, one more thing, that we actually ignore the fact that Jesus might want to heal something inside of our hearts. I describe it as a, as a rowboat. We, are, we need to be paddling both paddles. You see, if all we're doing is just busying ourselves with the work of God's kingdom, right? if all we're doing is just busying ourselves, oh I, I can say yes one more time to something in church, one more time, but all the while we have hurt and we have pain that is going undealt with in our lives, we're going to end up spinning in circles. 
If all we are doing is just fighting an internal battle, being like, yeah, I need, I need to listen to one more podcast, one more podcast, one more, I'm going to shelter myself again. Shelter. All of a sudden we start going in circles. And honestly, this is one of the reasons that I have seen churched kids, in my experience working with college students, kids who have grown up in church their entire lives, this is one of the reasons that they eventually sometimes slip away from the Lord is because they have not gotten involved in the Great Commission. Because they've never learned what it, what it means to take your faith, what you have been taught, and see it apply to someone else's life. See, the battlefield is an incredibly addictive place to be. And when I watch my faith in Jesus become real to someone else, and I watch, watch the power of the gospel heal something in their life that I never even believed, never even imagined could be healed as quickly and as efficiently and as productively as what the gospel healed in that person's life, I have no other choice but to praise God and to see God's character for what it truly is. And that's what our, we pray that our students get to experience. I tell our students, man, my prayer for you is all of you, before you graduate, you'd have the opportunity to lead a person to Jesus Christ because your life will never be the same. Because as soon as you do it once, you're going to want to do it again. The third thing that we must do is we must fight hand-to-hand combat. We must fight hand-to-hand combat. See, most of our battles for Christ happen in our day-to-day. I guarantee you that not every single person in here is going to be called to be a career missionary. And I don't think we need to be. You see, I believe that God has called all of us to be missionaries to wherever we are at. We tell our students this all the time, that only you can affect your specific sphere of influence. Right? You're the only person in the center of your sphere of influence. What do I mean by that? You're the only person who has the co-workers that you do Combined with the family members that you do, the neighbors that you do, the friends that you do, and the people that you run into at the grocery store that you do. You're the only person in the center of that sphere of influence. If you do not reach them for Jesus, no one will. And it's time we start believing that. It's time that we start being compelled and convicted by that. You see, it is not your, it is not your pastor's job to do the work of the ministry. It is your pastor's job to equip us to do the work of the ministry. So that when we go out, we go out as missionaries and we fight hand-to-hand combat for those around us. We become the missionaries to this city. Every single one of us. A team going out. We must all do our parts. Notice you have not been given a nuclear weapon of truth. Right? You have been given the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You have been given something that you are meant to wield in a hand-to-hand sort of way. This is what discipleship is. This is what Jesus did. He said, I'm going to invest my life into 12 people. I'm going to bring 12 people into my sphere of influence. And those are the people that I'm going to impact that are going to go on and carry this thing on. You see, there's there's an interesting thing uh, and I enjoy this example. Let's say that little guy up there is you, okay? And you decided one day that you're actually going to get serious about fighting hand-to-hand combat for God's kingdom. 
You're going to say, you know what? I can influence a few people for Jesus. And so let's just say you decided, man, God, I, I'm going to start praying to influence those around me. And God laid four, four people on your heart. And so you started to share with them. You started to love on them. You started to invite them over to your place for dinner. You grabbed coffee with them. You just really became their friend. And let's just say that out of those four people, two of those people figured out what it was like to have a relationship with Jesus and they became a disciple of Jesus Christ. And not just any disciple, but a disciple who was like, wow, God has changed my life. I want to see God change other people's lives. So they became a disciple who made disciples. And you had two of those people do the same thing that you did a year later. And you went on and you did the same thing next year. Okay? And those four people, out of those four people and those four people, they had the same thing happen. And they had the same thing happen. And let's just say you did this for the next 20 years of your life. Do you have any idea how many people you would reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ? 2,105,342 people would be disciple-making believers of Jesus Christ if you just invested your life into two people a year and saw two people become a disciple who is willing to make disciples. That is exponential growth for God's kingdom. This is why we are sitting in this room today because Jesus understood this better than anybody else understood this. He said, I'm going to fight hand to hand with the people around me. I'm going to become friends and I'm going to make disciples who make disciples. We're sitting in this room today because this works. right. Do you know that if you were a, if you were a uh, street corner evangelist, nothing wrong with that. God calls people to that. But if you were a street corner evangelist for the same 20 years, you would never be, even, and let's just say you worked really hard and you never took a break and you picked a new street corner in America every single day, you would need to see 287 people give their hearts to Jesus every single day for the next 20 years to have the same sort of effect. Which one is more realistic? Yeah. We can do this. Amen. Regardless of how busy our schedules are, we all have time for two more friends in our lives. We all have time for that. And when we fight hand to hand as a body of Christ, an incredibly powerful thing happens. The disciples understood this because they saw Jesus do it. And we must, dis- we must learn how to do this by looking at the life of Jesus Christ in the Word of God and understanding that He was probably on to something. Right? These are our small group leaders that we have in our, that are doing exactly what, you, what I'm just talking about. And, uh, and they're doing an incredible job. The same, I, I already said that there's over 120 people involved in small groups. It, it, things are, things are in, going incredibly well because these students have understood the power of discipleship. The fourth thing that we must do is that we must be patient. We must be patient. You see, when we decide to play spiritual offense for God, sometimes things take time. Sometimes they don't go as planned. Sometimes they take longer than what we had anticipated. And so many times we treat people like projects in our lives. And we tell this to our students all the time. We say, people are not projects, they are people. And we must be patient with people because God was patient with us. 
And you see, sometimes people get it right away and they go for it. And other times they're like, come on. Like, this is our fourth conversation that we've had about Jesus and nothing has changed in your life. Just forget it. You're not going along my time zone. You're not going along my time period, my timeline. I'm, I'm just going to say forget it. There's a young lady by the name of Maria. She, her name, or she's on the, the right side there. And uh, two years ago, Maria came to Chi Alpha for the very first time. At the time, she was dealing with depression. She was dealing with uh, a lot of different identity issues and, and an incredible amount of junk in her life. And in fact, we would later find out that Maria uh, hated Christians when she came to Chi Alpha. But she came because her friend on the left invited her. And she came into Chi Alpha, and that night she was radically touched by the presence of God. I, I, I will never forget, I, I can still see what seat she was sitting in, in the room that we were meeting in, as the presence of God touched this young lady, and she began to weep, and she made a decision to accept Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior that night. But you see... Maria came from a background of an incredible amount of hurt and an incredible amount of pain. And so yes, did she accept Jesus as her Lord and Savior? Yes, but she was a long way away from becoming a disciple who could make disciples. She was a long ways away from having this relationship with Jesus be understood and solidified in her life. And over the course of the next year and a half, my wife started to meet with her on a consistent basis. And they would talk about things and things would come up and we would see Maria doing really, really well. And then we would see her kind of, you know, kind of disappear for a while. And then she'd be doing really, really well and we wouldn't see her around for a while. And we'd hear that she was struggling with some stuff again. But just this last month, when my wife and Maria were talking, she came to Aaron and she said, hey, I really want to go through leadership training class because I think I want to be a small group leader so that I can disciple people and tell people about Jesus. So Maria went from hating Christians to wanting to become a disciple who could make disciples. What a beautiful thing. But that took two years to get there. Battle lengths will vary. We never know whether we're called to plant a seed or water it. God will make it grow. We know that. But we must be patient with people. And we must understand that the battlefield is worth it. It's worth every single minute. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes as we close. I just want to invite you guys to have a chance to respond to this. And here's what I'm going to ask is that if you're here today and you have an internal battle that you're fighting, that you need victory in. And you need to claim that victory that Jesus has already made available to you. Just raise a hand in this place. You say, I'm going to claim that in Jesus' name. Is that for anybody? Thank you. I'm going to pray for you guys in that. Here in just a little bit. But my second question is this. I want all of us to think of someone that does not know Jesus in our lives. Maybe it's a coworker, neighbor, friend, family member, whatever. Think of one or two or three of those people. And I want us, as I pray, I want you to be praying in your hearts for those people, interceding for those people. And if you are willing to say, God, break my heart for the way that your heart is broken for those people, and allow me to have the courage to be the answer to my own prayer. If you say, I'm going to, be, I'm going to commit this morning 
to start playing spiritual offense for God's kingdom. Just raise a hand in this place. I want to know who I'm praying for, for that prayer. Is that for anybody? Just as a way to commit yourself to Jesus in that area. Okay, we're going to pray for both of those things. God, I pray right now that for those who are facing an internal battle who need your victory, Lord, I pray that you would move in a powerful and tangible way in their life. God, that you would have the victory God, we know that you have the victory. And God, I just pray that you would would allow them to step into that victory in the name of Jesus. I pray that they would be vulnerable with those around them, that they would get prayer from those around them. God, that, that they would get into community with those around them so that they have people encouraging them, spraying them on, and praying for them as they walk through this, God. That they would be reminded that they are not alone and that you care about them and that you're there for them. And Lord, for all of us who want to play spiritual offense for your kingdom, I pray that we would become dedicated, committed, convicted followers of you that would literally do whatever it takes to make sure that just one more person could come to know you, that just one more person would, would, would know about the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that just one more person would be able to be in spending eternity with you in heaven because of the fact that you used us to advance your kingdom. God, make us a men and women who are willing to go forth and make disciples of all nations, to do whatever it takes to, to go to whether it is the literal ends of the earth or the figurative ends of the earth for those around us. God, allow us to quit running away, to fight the external battles and start to fight hand to hand. And God, I believe that there are people in this room that you are going to call to a life commitment of discipling those around them. And God, I pray that that would start. That that would start today. And that they would have spiritual legacies. That every single person in this room would have a spiritual legacy because they decided to just pour into the lives of those around us. In Jesus' name, Amen.